Welcome to Warren Radio with your hosts, the Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening. Greetings and welcome to Warren Radio Battle Lines. I am Tower and we are glad you joined us. On Warren Radio Battle Lines broadcast, we feature an in-depth Bible study each week. All correspondence and inquiries of broadcasts of the WIBR Warren Radio Network can be sent to us through our contact page on warren-usa.com. Today is Thursday, the 20th day of February, 2020, and the reading in the Word this week is Exodus chapter 21, verses 1 through chapter 24, verse 18. Jeremiah chapter 34, verses 8 through 22, also chapter 33, verses 25 through 26, and the New Testament portion is Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through chapter 2, verse 28. Be sure to follow the WIBR WARN Radio on Twitter at hashtag WARN Radio. Also, hashtag WatchmanIS216. On LinkedIn, you can find us by hashtag Watchman. And you can join us on us.life and MeWe at hashtag WarnRadio. Warn Radio Network is available through Blueberry, iHeartRadio, iTunes Player, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, Warren Radio Visions on Blog Talk Radio, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Deezer, and now we are on Podchaser. Please take time to read the pertinent articles by the Watchmen and pass them on to your friends and relatives. They are inspired, and this um, we have two that we're featuring this week. Trusting God in Tribulation Trepidation. There may come a time when trusting God in tribulation will find you with trepidation. When trouble and turmoil hits a nation, it causes fear and agitation. Here you may find yourself falling, failing in the confidence that the Lord will make a way for you and your family. Also, losing America, divide and conquer. This one is very sobering. So please read it. It's Losing America. The warning is clear. If a people, any people, spend time biting and devouring one another, then that nation will fall. If America were smart, things would change. Wisdom could be accepted. Wisdom is known of her children. So you can get those articles by going to warn-usa.com or danaglinsmith.com. And now I welcome in the Watchmen. Greetings. Hey, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I was wondering what happened to you. You were there a minute ago. um, I punched that thing, but it didn't start, I guess. So, okay. I'm glad you're here. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yes, we do have a preliminary thing. And sometimes they do that because these things don't uh, exactly work on cue as they should. 
So you gotta <laughs> hover your your cursor right over the little red uh, mark that you want to hit, and just let it sit yeah. there. And then when you get ready, then it 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 should be ready to work. But that's the way these things work. If you leave them yeah, go, they fall okay. asleep, and then you need to nudge them. And of course, this is Windows 10. And, uh, of course, I am using the new Microsoft Edge, but this isn't a tech show, so we're not going to talk about that. I could talk tech for an hour, yeah. too, because we, yeah, do, well, uh, we do everything techy around here. Tech's well, it is. Edifying. If you, if you want to be able to do what we do, it's edifying. It's kind of hard to do what we do if you don't have the tech working. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's I mean, true. But the thing that Tower and I are concerned about is not about the tech. That's pretty much working out. We've, by the grace of God, kept everything going. But at any rate, we're more concerned about it being warm. Yeah. Yeah, our days are getting longer. The sun is up. Yeah, yeah. The river is looking really good. I've seen the geese. They're really active now. Pretty soon all all the babies are going to be popping out. You know another yeah. thing, our tur- our turkeys disappeared, and I'm not talking about politicians. I'm talking about real turkeys. Yeah, and, I don't know uh, what happened to them. You know they were really, really prolific, and then, uh, you know they were all over the place, and then who knows? They must be nesting. We you know they're they're not more around than a here. Dozen. Yeah. There was well, more than a, a dozen. We had a couple big toms. They were huge. I bet that one Tom weighed close to forty-five pounds. Yeah, well, he that's just here. I mean, there, there's, there's a lot more. There's probably a group of about forty or more altogether in this area. Yeah. And of course, then you add in the Canadian geese, and there's a lot more. So, and they're all and we have uh, pretty raccoons. much. Yeah, they're grass-fed. I mean, we can't eat the raccoons, but if we ever got hungry, we have turkeys <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, geese. Yeah, doesn't get to them first. Oh yeah, we got a lot. We have a lot of antelope around here too. So, well, at any rate, we are in Isaiah. We're going to get going on that, uh, and okay, we're glad I'll you joined us. On the other uh, side. Yep. We have been talking about Sennacherib coming through. Of course, Isaiah uh, covers this. He also has a lot of uh, particular burdens uh, and. Uh, you know, when we talk about a burden, it's when the Lord gives you a word and it becomes a burden. It's the burden of the Lord. It means that as a prophet or as a watchman or even as a pastor, you have a burden that he laid on your heart. Uh, with a prophet, though, most of the time, the burdens are actual visions that they beheld, open visions. Uh, sometimes they're dreams, dreams in the night. Uh, a lot of times these things, when they happen, like as in Daniel and even Isaiah, they're perplexing. They're, you really do uh, feel uh, the situation because these things are so uh, supernatural. At the same time, they're so real. Uh, so uh, in, in Isaiah um, twenty one thirteen the burden upon Arabia in the forests of Arabia shall you lodge instead of being on the caravan road, they must flee due to war now of course, all of this is talking about uh, uh, the Assyrian move, and uh, when Isaiah gets into the next chapter, he again refers to a bunch of stuff 
And we are going to discuss also uh, some of the timelines uh, between Isaiah and Jeremiah, because, uh, you know, the one thing of it is, is that Sennacherib did come into the area and caused a lot of carnage. He went through the villages, a lot of pillaging and stuff. But it was just when he got to Jerusalem that he was stopped and his army was destroyed. But see, he was replaced. He was eventually murdered by his kids. And then uh, in the house of his god, I think it was Dagon. Uh, but at any rate, uh, there were other um, kings that came along of the Assyrian that uh, took over from where he left off. So the Assyrian kingdom wasn't fully destroyed at that time. And of course, when we get up into another portion, Isaiah is going to be talking about Babylon and Medo-Persia. So there's a lot of important powers here. And Arabia, instead of being on the caravan road, they must flee due to war. And, of course, in this area, you know, when these kings and these armies went through, uh, they were pillaging the land. Number one, uh, they didn't have refrigeration. They didn't have all the modern stuff, uh, you know. And so they had to eat pretty much an army did. That's why most of the time they would uh, make war in the summer, in the spring and stuff. Because when you would go through the area making war, you would simply take the food and the, you know, the grains and stuff from the people you were pillaging. And that's how you kept your army fed. You'd take their grains, you'd take whatever you needed. And uh, so the people would then flee because uh these armies would come through. Sometimes they would kill everybody. Sometimes they might take a couple of prisoners. They might help themselves to your wife or daughter. Uh, and so people would stay out of the way of them. And uh, OE traveling companies of uh, Dedan. And uh, when you look at uh, Dedanim, uh, D-A-N-I-M, like denim, only a little different. Uh, it's known as the Dedanians, uh, which, uh, you know, in order to find these, you have to do research because nobody goes around and says, hey, have you heard of the Dedanians lately? No, this is, you know, I mean, we're in the modern world. This this was a mixture of a tribe of Cushites and Arama uh, Abrahamites dwelling in the neighborhood of the Edomites. And, of course, all of that is uh, uh, really just telling you what was there at the time, who was there at the time. Uh, the inhabitants of the land of Tima, Tima would be the sons of Ishmael. Ishmael, of course, represents basically the Arab tribe. Isaac represents the son of the promise. And, of course, he's Israel when we talk about that. Israel, of course, is made up of the 12 tribes, and the 12 tribes, of course, was eventually uh, cut down because of a number of problems, Number, uh, the main one being during Solomon and the biggest rise of Israel, the kingdom was cut, and 10 tribes went north, and the other two tribes, there was Judah and Benjamin, and, of course, they took with them uh, um, <clears throat> Uh, the Levites, because of the temple, and they had the priests and the prophets down there in Jerusalem. But uh, the bottom line of it is, is that eventually they, uh, both tribes, both houses were overrun. Both houses were taken into bondage. Uh, the 
northern tribes are known today as the lost tribes having been lost of course the jews get kind of mad at that they say they weren't lost we've got some of them the land yeah they do but still they were scattered throughout the entire region Uh, there was some that even out of judah decided uh, that we're going to stay in babylon they were going to they made their way out of babylon that's how a lot of the jews actually found themselves uh, around the world being scattered like they were And, of course, you know, for they fled, and this is really tells you that when you have a warring, like when Sennacherib would have went through, you have all the outlying uh, areas. And when they would go through, and of course this uh, Isaiah 21, 15, and 16 tells you what it what it was like. They said, for they fled from the swords, from the drawn sword, from the bent bow, from the grievousness of war. That represents the weight and the heaviness. Uh, in, in plain speak, it was terrible. Uh, you didn't want to be around there. You could get killed. You could get pillaged. You could get taken captive. Your women could be raped and go with them. Uh, you could. Uh, they could take over your house. They could burn your house. They could take your stock. They'd take your food. So the best thing to do is stay out of the way and, and go ahead of it. And so when you came to a war, you would always see, especially ahead of a conquering army, that's one of the ways that Jerusalem, even the watchmen, uh, even at Babylon, would have known. Uh, but see, when, when Babylon fell, we, we will discuss this, when Babylon fell, uh, the people that took them on really didn't pillage the outlying areas. Uh, there wasn't a lot of people running ahead. Uh, these uh, Babylon was totally surprised, and one of the reasons is it was so powerful. Uh, Isaiah 21, 16 says, uh, For thus hath the Lord said unto me within a year, according to the years of a hireling, all the glory of Kedar, that, that of course, represents the son of Ishmael. Uh, and, of course, this represents those who lived in tents. Uh, we see them even today, you know, those who lived in tents. They were wandering. They had uh, goats and sheep. And they would wander around the steppes and uh, around the around the various areas uh, in Saudi Arabia and various other regions like that. And it says within a year, according to the years of Ahiram, all the glory of Kedar. In other words, all the things this according to the sons of Ishmael shall fail. And the residue of the number of archers and the mighty men of the children of Kedar shall be diminished, for the Lord God of Israel uh, is has spoken it. And of course. Uh, here, uh, we're going to quote Herodias uh, 2, uh, page 141. Well, it's 2 and 141. Uh, Sennacherib is called the king of the Arabians and Assyrians. You can also look up uh, Josephus, Antiquities uh, 10, 1, and 4. Um, I do have a Josephus thing around here, but most of the time you can find Josephus, a historian, a Jewish historian, has a lot to say on a lot of these things. Uh, Both Sargon and Sennacherib in their analytic inscriptions take credit to themselves for the subjugation of Arabian tribes. Of course, they were tremendous warriors at the time and known as such. Um, uh, And, of course, they were known for their archery. And uh, they're all going to be defeated. And that basically 
what it is. And of course, uh, Kyle and DeLeach makes note of all this. He says within the space of a year measured as exactly as is generally the case where employers and laborers are concerned, Kedar's freedom, military strength, numbers, and wealth um, would have disappeared. Now that, that would represent the glory. You know, if you have a complete nation and you have people that are making money, they have a business people that those people that are employers, employed laborers, so they can make money. Of course, their freedom to do so they pay their taxes. There's military to keep, uh, the people safe. And, uh, there's a lot of them and they're wealthy. Now, see, that was the Arab tribes at that time. And, of course, because of uh, the Assyrians, they subjugated them. And, of course, this is uh, really what a lot of them did. I mean, we've seen a lot of this, you know, going back to uh, even Genghis Khan. You move forward, you get into uh, uh, the Greek and uh, a lot of the, um, you know, mighty uh, warriors they had in there. They're well known for that, the Spartans. And... uh, you know, the whole thing, uh, it, it just goes like that. And, of course, we get up north uh, and you, you see Napoleon and you see, of course, Hitler in our modern time. Um, Hitler took his tanks and men and went all the way to the to the ocean and nobody could stop him. And uh, the difference was we're looking at a time when they just had regular armies. They didn't have uh, uh you know, a, a real good way of uh, supplying everybody. So they had to supply them, uh, you know, from people growing stuff. And, of course, that's why they didn't make war in the winter, because you'd starve to death. So then we move um, into what we call uh, Part 37. This is called the Valley of Vision. And... Um, this is an interesting chapter. This is chapter 22. And uh, let me look at a couple things here. Number one, let's talk about Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. Um, Isaiah began his ministry, and he says so in his book, uh, at Uzziah's death year, uh, Isaiah 6.1. And uh, that was uh, around 740 B.C. That's before Christ, or you can, sometimes they do before the Common Era, or uh, B.C.E., before the Common Era. And he was active as late as the siege of Jerusalem by Sennacherib in 701. So we have, well, if you count uh, uh, that, you, you have uh, a lot of years that Isaiah was in there, you know, 39 years uh, and if you count all of 740, and he was around before before that. Uh, and, of course, it, it goes to say that a lot of these prophets, we know when they prophesied, and we have some stuff as to what really happened to them. Some say that Isaiah was sawn asunder. And, uh, you know, Jeremiah, of course, uh, he went down into Egypt uh, with the children of Israel at the time, he was taken down there. And of course, uh, but at any rate, so you have that 740 to 701. And of course, Isaiah, it says of him, he was the son of Amos, not Amos, Amos prophet. No. Uh, and uh, they believe that he belonged to a family of some rank. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, you know, he very well, you know, could have had some pull, but at any rate, um, 
they think this is because his easy access to the king as a prophet. He uh, he had close intimacy with the priest. Um, Isaiah was worshiping in Isaiah 6, 1 through 13, in the year that uh, King Uzziah died. And that's where we got the call to the prophetic office. And that's actually one of the most uh, 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 um, startling uh you know, calls and visions, you know, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And, of course, the Lord said, sent him, and he knew from the outset that his task is going to be one of of warning a people that would never listen, exhorting them to change, which they would never do. And, of course, uh, that was Isaiah's lot. And, of course, then we look at Prophet uh, Jeremiah, which, uh, you know, you could say it was even worse because he was there prophesying for a long time. And uh, they just absolutely didn't want him around. They said, prophesy to us of good things, you know, smooth things. And, you know, and at times they told him, go back where he came from and prophesy down there. Well, at any rate, so we find that Isaiah's last prophecy, uh, you know, he was uh, still active around Sennacherib when Sennacherib came to Jerusalem in 701. But uh, Jeremiah then didn't even begin his active prophecy until 627. Now, see, we're going backwards, not forwards. So we're coming from, say, the year 2000 B.C. when we think of uh, Abraham. And then you go forward. And when you get to 627, then you have another 627 years before the year zero. And, and of course, that zero is when you start going A.D. after death, after the death of Christ. So that kind of gives you an idea here. So we're way before the coming of the Lord. We're way after uh, Abraham. And, of course, prophet Isaiah, he was done in 701. So then we have prophet uh, uh, Jeremiah coming along in uh, uh, 627. So, you know, if it was 630 from 700, that would have been... Uh, 70 years. So this is about 74 years later. And Jeremiah prophesied to 586 BC. And then they also see him as being in Egypt uh, sometime in Egypt. They say about 50 years. That's that's more than some to me. That's quite a bit. But, uh, and of course, Jeremiah was called to the office of the prophet while still a youth at, uh, and this uh, actually occurred in Jeremiah 1, 6. He was about 20 years of age, and it was the 13th year of King Hosea uh, in the year uh, 627. And, of course, he was active uh, from his time on to the destruction of Jerusalem. He was actually, and that's 586, but he, and that's when his active ministry to Israel quit. And then, of course, he was on in the center well, pretty much anyway, somewhere around in there, when uh, Jerusalem fell and uh, the you know Babylon entered into the gates and they seen him and recognized him and said, well, you can come with us uh, to Babylon. You can stay here, whatever you want to do, because they knew of, of uh, the prophet and what he had said. And see, this is one thing that, that is of note, that in all of, all of this, when we talk about the prophets of Israel, uh, the Gentiles who were basically a bunch of pagans, many of them, 
but they still paid attention to seers and to uh, those uh, that were wise in the things of the spirit and uh, reading all various kinds of organs and the stars and everything. So they, they did pay attention to the prophets. And when we get into uh, Isaiah, as we follow it uh, in this chapter 22, uh, and a lot of this, especially when we get, uh, um, you know, to the vision and things like this, I mean, you wouldn't think that they would, but they do. They paid attention to these Jewish prophets, uh, and at the same time, Israel didn't pay attention to them. It's kind of ironic, and Israel looked at all the Gentiles as goyim or unclean, unbelievers. Uh, so, uh, And here was Israel, who knew the Lord, who had fallen away from the Lord, and they weren't even listening to their own prophets. And of course, this is where the Lord, when he was uh, crying over Jerusalem, weeping over Jerusalem, warning Jerusalem said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stonest the prophets, how oft would I have gathered you as a mother hen her chicks, but you would have none of it. See, he tried to do that, and he even told them, uh, Jeremiah even spoke it out for the Lord, saying that the Lord had woke up early, uh, and that means uh, he sent his prophets in early enough to wake up Israel, but Israel wouldn't listen. And it's kind of ironic that the Lord did that anyway, because he told Isaiah, he told Jeremiah, it's not going to do any good, but you got to go. Because that's how much God wanted to make sure that if there was anybody left in here, that they would repent. And of course, when we look ahead in the new covenant, a lot of times we think uh, that uh, the repentance part and uh, you know, the redemption part and all this other stuff is uh, kind of lighthearted. We don't take it serious enough, but there's really a death penalty out there. There is really a judgment out there. And living in the modern world, we don't think of judgments. We don't think that all of our nice things are going to come to an end. But if you look around the world, if you listen to our radio, uh, our shows that we do on Wednesdays concerning the persecuted church and many things, we talk about a lot of things that are going on. Look at um, look at China and the coronavirus, how their entire cities like Shanghai and Wuhan and others are closed down. And people were locked in their homes and couldn't get out. I mean, how would you like that? You know, welcome to Communism 101. I mean, that's the way it is. So um, Isaiah chapter 22. And I'm going to have to do something here. Hang on. Because I got to. Okay. Um, the Septuagint and the uh, Arabic versions, um, when we talk about it, let me get down here. The burden of the Valley of Vision is concerning Jerusalem and the events of the then near future. And it also points beyond that when men will be gathered, the nations of men will be gathered around Jerusalem in the end of days. So in the Septuagint, um, Bullinger points out that they render it Jerusalem, but there are high hills around uh, Jerusalem, other names, inhabitant of the valley, rock of the plain. Um, Jeremiah 21, 13 says, Behold, I'm against the O inhabitant of the valley and rock of the plain. Uh, uh, thus, uh, see, uh, 
saith the Lord, which say, who shall come down against us or who shall enter into our habitation? Jeremiah 17 says, O my mountain in the field, I'll give thy substance and all thy treasures to the spoil, the high places for sin throughout all the borders. Now, what this is leading to is that in Isaiah 22.1, it says the burden of the valley of vision, the place where God manifested himself through visions to the prophets. That's what is called as the valley of vision. And of course, a lot of people see this as Jerusalem. But what aileth thee now that thou art wholly gone up to the rooftops? Now, you see, the problem that you have about uh, Jerusalem is that it, it is surrounded by hills. It has uh, various valleys, and a lot of these troops that came in there would come through those valleys. They would fill the valleys. And of course, we know Megiddo is going to be, or known as Armageddon, is going to be one of the most prolific ones in the end of days uh, surrounding Jerusalem. So while we talk about Jerusalem here, in this valley of vision, it's very important to understand that there are some prophecies here that go way far ahead of where we're at right now. And it's interesting when you think about it. Uh, the burden of the valley of vision, what aileth thee now? And of course, if you've ever seen, uh, oh, I don't know, um, uh, Indiana Jones, you know, in the Middle East, and he's up on top and all the rooftops are flat. Well, that's that's literally the way it was in Jerusalem. The, the, the rooftops were flat, and many times they would have, uh, uh, you know, a place where they would go up and, and they would eat meals. They would uh, fellowship, you know, have parties, whatever up there. And, of course, they could have uh, lanterns up there. They could have uh, a place to cook up there. They could they could have uh, a, uh, you know, a, a bamboo or a straw um covering for over the top of them uh, so they could sit there and eat and uh, I mean a lot of things uh, so they, they were flat and they would go up on them and that's what they would do but if you were being surrounded by an army what would you do <laughs> you would go up on the rooftops and uh, the first time I seen this read this was many 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 years ago and uh, it was about judgment and we'll get into this. And it, and it reminds me of the Titanic and the scene where it's going down. And the band is playing. Uh, and everybody is just screaming because it's uh, departing into the cold ocean. And you don't last very long in those cold waters. So they all wanted to get on, you know, a little boat. But uh, all the musicians stayed there and played and went under the ocean. Uh, but you see, Israel, I mean, the people of Jerusalem, here they are. They saw the army surround, surrounding the city. And, of course, the rooftops, it was a place where you could eat, you could drink, you could party, you could have fun. And, of course, here... It says, what aileth thee now, thou art wholly gone up to the the housetops. Now, you see, they went up to the housetop to see, and of course, you'd be the same way if you were in a city. And they said, well, the commies are on the outside of your city. And if we were in America, uh, you could get up on your housetop, but more than likely you would go to the edge of the city to look out along with everybody else. 
Uh, and of course, there'd be people that would be trying to run away, but there'd be no way to get away if they were smart. These communists would, or whoever they would be, would surround the entire city. So uh, whenever you have that kind of a danger, and if you're a citizen, of course, in those days, they were used to siege warfare, which uh, during the time of Hezekiah and the time that uh, Sennacherib came through, which Isaiah is actually going to refer to in this chapter, uh, he'd done a number of things to uh, reveal to the people, you know, to say, well, this is what we need to do, because number one you needed was water. Uh, number two, you needed something to eat. And in this case, uh, if it was a long siege warfare, uh, if it was done in the summertime, uh, then those troops that were there could stay there forever. Uh, the ones in the city are the ones that would have trouble, and they knew it. Now, if it was in the wintertime, the people in the city, if it was the beginning of a warfare uh, like that, then it, it wouldn't be bad. They could actually do okay. Now, the ones outside the city, however, would have a harder time of it. But that's what they do. They just wait it out. And sometimes rather than attacking and losing all your men, you just waited for them to give up. And then you'd go in and do what you wanted to do. And, of course, if you were like in the Roman Empire, when they made war, uh, they were a devastating machine. But uh, they also treated the people uh, one way. They, they did have slaves, but there was people that they wanted the people to uh, pay their taxes, to obey the Roman laws, and to accept uh, what the Romans were doing and, and pay the, uh, the tax to Rome. And of course, as long as you did that, you were okay. And so, uh, but you get over here in some of these, when we talk about um, Babylon, you know, coming against uh, Jerusalem, when we talk about um, all these other sieges that were done before that um, in various ways, you know, they, they would sit outside there. Now, see, Sennacherib did that, and he wound up getting all of his army getting destroyed by the angel because the Lord had stood up uh, and, of course, uh, uh, protected him. So they're all up on the rooftops now, and they're looking out, and uh, they probably have a couple of drinks with them, and they're probably doing things. But it, it it's really interesting. When you get in verse 2, it says, you are full of stirs. Now, of course, what is a stir? It reminds me of a James Bond movie, shaken and not stirred. Well, these people are definitely shaken and they're stirred. And these people uh, think of all kinds of noise going on, people running around, you know, they're they're grabbing other animals, they're doing everything they can to try to pull everything in. And it's just like a loud, tumultuous, uh, uh, you know, crashing and shouting and noise and everything because what's happening? Well, they've got all this stuff going on. And of course, when we look at this particular verse, it, it says, uh, you are full of stirs, crashing, clamoring, shouting, and noise, a tumultuous or a loud sound, a, a tumultuous city, a joyous city, given to pleasure is what that means there. Thy slain men are not slain with the sword, nor dead in battle. This is an interesting phrase here, but we'll get to that in a minute. Well, this could, you know, when you look at this, you could say, well, that's just a, sounds like a normal busy day of commerce. 
And of course, if if you had a big uh, big city like if you looked at Nineveh, if you looked at Babylon, even Jerusalem, uh, they were they were well known. They were big. They would have had a lot of commerce. You open the gates, and uh, you know on market days, you know where the people would get out there, and you'd go through the streets. And of course, it would be noisy. There's a lot of things going on. But see, the thing that gives this away is your slain men are not slain with the sword nor dead in battle. What happened to them? Well, they certainly weren't fighting uh, in battle and getting killed with a sword, which would have been the normal thing if, if you were fighting a thing. That didn't happen. So what happened? Well, we'll get to that. Well, the thing we want to look to is because it does say a joyous city given to pleasure. And we get these thoughts. We get these descriptions of others. And and this is, you know, one of those things that when you look at it, uh, you know, man can get careless. Uh, Nineveh uh, in Zephaniah 2.15, this is the rejoicing city that dwelt carelessly, that said in her heart, I am, and there is none beside me. How has she become a desolation, a place for beasts to lie down in? Everyone that passes by her shall hiss and wag his hand. They will know what happened to her. Um, and, of course, again, you will have this rejoicing city. It dwelt carelessly. Uh, it didn't care, you know, uh, pay attention to sins. It didn't think of the Lord God as being able to bring her down. Remember, Nineveh had repented at the preaching of Jonah. Seventy years later, they had forgot. And, and of course, you know, she said in her heart that I am as none beside me. Now, this particular phrase, you're, you're going to see forever. You know, you're going to see this. And you notice the female aspect here in her heart. There is none beside me. How is she become desolate? Here's another one, Isaiah 47, and we'll begin at verse 7. It says, and thou saidest, I shall be a lady forever, so thou didst not lay these things to thy heart, neither did remember the latter end of it. Therefore hear now this, thou that art given to pleasures, that dwellest uh, carelessly, that says in your heart, I am, and none else beside me. I shall not sit as a widow, neither shall I know the loss of children. Now you see, both of these things have the same type of sin. They get busy. Uh, you know, the other one said in her heart, I am, and there's none else. That's pride. This one says, I shall be a lady forever. I'm always going to be on top. That's pride. Uh, you did not lay him to heart. You were given to pleasures. You dwelt carelessly. Uh, it says, I am and none else. I am the top city. I am the top one. Nobody's going to be able to topple me. I shall not sit as a widow. Now, when you see that phrase, it, it's almost in we look at the fact that they have an army. The army, what we call, when we see in the Old Testament, we refer to as the young lions. The young lions representing the young men who are, and they are men, folks, uh, that are really tough, in shape, that learned how, learned uh, warfare. And they were the ones that would protect the people. They were the ones that the king would take care of. Uh, and, of course, we still see that today. They always like to take care of their armies. Um, but see, when these people, and a lot of times some of these people that are fighting were married. And so if if your husband got killed in battle, you were a widow. And so in this one here, she's given to pleasure. She dwells carelessly. She says, I am and none else beside me. I'm not going to 
said as a widow, I'm not going to lose any of the men. Um, I'm not going to be dishonored in that way. I won't know the loss of children. In other words, she's denying the fact that of any judgment able to come against her. And it, and it goes on to say in verse 9, but these two things shall come on thee in a moment in one day, the loss of children and widowhood. And so here you go. The widowhood is the, is the, uh, the soldiers who are married. They get killed in battle. And you have the children who are grown up now, and of course, but you still got a child, but he's fighting in battle. And you lose a child, so you lose children and you lose widowhood. And it's, it's, it's no different than it is today, um, you know, when you have uh, soldiers. I was in the, in the service during Vietnam. I wasn't in Vietnam, but I was still in a battle group. And our job during Vietnam was to float around out in the drink, out in the, out in the Atlantic. And we did uh, all kinds of drills and stuff stuff you know we weren't helping the battle in nam either in any but you know we were doing what they told us to do um and but at any rate uh see you got that problem you know your nation with all of its armies are fine as long as they're peace but when something comes up that is more than you can handle. It can destroy everything you have. And when you have pride, you think higher of yourself than you are. And pride goes before a fall. Now let's look at Revelation 18. This is Mystery Babylon. What does it say about her? Now I wanted to put this in here because this is really important when you talk about the judgment on Mystery Babylon. Reward her even as she rewarded you. Double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she has filled to her double. Now remember, the the cup she has is a cup of abominations. And I might point out, when I talk about abominations, the abominations of men are different in different countries. In this country, we have abominations. In uh, like Islamic countries, they, they have abominations even there and things that they do. But there are other things that they do that they say are all right. And they're not all right. Just like here. And some of the things we do here, they wouldn't ever okay over there. Um, you know, and uh, I could give you a lot of examples, but I'm not going to go into it. Um, at any rate, when you look at this, that's the abominations. And so when we talk about a cup filled with abominations, that's all kinds of abomination, appealing to all nations of men and all manner of evil and all manner of things that you can get into. And uh, and how much has she glorified herself? Now, see, she's glorified herself, but the reward is double unto her double. In other words, it's four times. It's four times the judgment on Mystery Babylon, and, and she lived deliciously. What is living deliciously? Okay, let me tell you, America, you're living deliciously. If you go right now, right now, if you go into... Libya, but especially now Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan. You have death. You have cities that are totally destroyed from all the war and hate. You've got active Islamic jihadists that are ready to kill any Christian they can find. You have governments that are weak and divided and can't get rid of the enemy that's in them. In Afghanistan, after all the war, the Taliban's are the biggest winners in the latest election. You go down to Nigeria, which didn't used to be this way, but today, now, you have Christians that are the target. 
You have them being killed by the Fulani, which are herdsmen. You have them killed by a Western version of the ISIS, say over in Western part, I think it is, of Nigeria. You have Boko Haram. Many of the communities have been overrun. People have lost everything. They've lost uh, the farmers, for instance, when they've been run off or killed. Uh, they lose all their crops, which would keep them alive and also able to pay their bills. And they become homeless and they can't go back home because they'll get killed. So tell me, America, you're sitting and, and, and we're in America today in the winter. It's in February. It's cold. How would you like to be sitting on your butt out here on a rock by the river? Well, see, you'd be lucky then because there's places actually over there to find some warmth. And you can also take one of them trees and a lot of brushes and you can, you can light a fire. You have water there that's clean. You could actually drink it. You're still doing better than if you were in one of these other countries. So when we talk about living deliciously, I got news for you. There's a lot of the Western nations that live deliciously. And there's a lot of Christians in this country that are living more than deliciously and don't even realize that, that their brothers and sisters, maybe they don't pay attention, their brothers and sisters in Christ, if they're not jailed, they're dead as a doornail. They're being persecuted. Or in some cases in Pakistan, their daughters have been kidnapped, raped, and forced to marry the guy that rapes them. And in some countries, they've even passed laws where if if, uh, an Islamic guy rapes a woman, then she has to marry him. Yes. Talk about abomination. Now I'm here to tell you. So when we talk about this, you need to understand when we're talking judgment. When judgment happens to a nation, it's judgment. It's not fun. It's not glorified. It's not good. You don't hope for judgment. You don't wish for judgment. You prepare for judgment by making sure that you know the Lord. But even if you do that, judgment must first begin at the house of God. Then if, then if we who know the Lord scarcely survive, what were the sinners and the ungodly stand? You see, judgment will begin at the house of God, whether you like it or not. It's going to happen. That's what the Lord says. And then the end shall come. And judgment has been happening on a lot of the others. What's happening in America and the Western nations? We are falling away from the Lord in many cases. Today, this week, we've been hearing about the massive revival going on down in Tennessee. But yet, for all the revivals we hear about, for all the preaching we hear about, America is filthy. So, Revelation 18, how much has she glorified herself and lived deliciously? So much torment and sorrow give her, for she says in her heart, I sit a queen, am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. You can find those same types in the last two verses regarding Nineveh and Babylon. Exactly. They came right out. Of the Tanakh. Therefore, shall her plagues come in one day, death, mourning, and famine. And she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. Now make sure, you might think Mystery Babylon is really terrible, and you might think America's Mystery Babylon. A lot of people do. At one time, they thought the UK was. But the bottom line of it is, is that Mystery Babylon is a very wealthy place. And uh, she has made a lot of people rich. So even if America were Mystery Babylon, 
you know, I'm reminded of what Trump is is doing, making America great, bringing jobs back and all that other. And you see, all those things would fit even in Mystery Babylon. Why would it fit? Because Mystery Babylon is a place of commerce. She's prosperous. She's wealthy. The nations want to be friends with her because she's so powerful. And because she is so powerful, not everybody's going to take her on. But see, with all that prosperity and with all that pride, you begin to think you can never come down. And in this case, Mystery Babylon, who is the glory of the kingdoms, is going to fall in one day. Now remember, if we look at Babylon itself, Babylon itself was not a kingdom like America. It was a city-state, a very powerful city that ruled an area. America is a regular nation. And also Mystery Babylon, Mystery Babylon is not Babylon of old. It's a mystery, and it's also a spirit, and it also has many abominations. So while we say things are the same, they're not the same. It's a mystery. So within this, when we look at Isaiah and talking about what's happening, we see a a joyous city that's given to pleasure. And, of course, they're all up on the housetop, you know. But the thing is, is that here it, it also says your men were not slain by the sword. Now, you see, the one thing when you had a group of young lions, that was David had his uh, warrior men. He had a brigade that he used of of men that were the fierce warriors. Uh, And they were the heroes, uh, uh, David's strong men, his warrior men, the ones that were on top of everything. They won every battle. And... See, that's the glory side of being a young lion and winning. But the bad part is is when you lose, you die. And see, in the defense of the city, Isaiah specifically points out that they weren't killed by the sword. It says your slain men are not slain with the sword nor dead in battle. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, if you have young lions and they go to make war and they're going to fight in a battle. And if they're if they fall in that battle, that's the honor of the warrior. He's fallen. And that's an honorable battle when you have two warriors in combat and they fall. But see, in this one, we don't see that they're slain, but not in combat. So what happened? They ran. The town had been overrun. The ones on the front line lost. And the ones that are left saw only one way to do, and that was to run. Like the British did at Concord. Is that where it was? They chased them all the way to... There's a song to that. Well, at any rate, so they ran. And they were chased down as they were running. And if they didn't get trampled and wind up getting killed that way, 
the others caught up with them and killed them as they ran for their life. That's what that phrase is. And verse uh, 3 of that says this. Now, now imagine the city. All thy rulers are fled together. They are bound by the archers, and all that are found in thee are bound together, which have fled from far. Now, you see, it says your rulers have fled. These are the guys that are, you know, supposed to be ruling the city, and they're fleeing like a bunch of rats jumping ship. What happens to them? Well, they're caught by the archers. The archers don't shoot them. They just bound them because they're the judges and rulers. You know, in the old days, this is the real old days here, and the kings did do it. During the time of the night, king would always go out with his men to fight all the time in America and the modern world, like Kim Jong-un, like Xi of China, like Putin of Russia, just like our people here or in the UK, when they go to war, they send the troops and they have their generals, but the guys and the politicians that send them, uh, they're safe at home on their butts. Now, see, I've maintained for a long time, and I disagreed with the world of, uh, war in Vietnam. I didn't think we should have went into Afghanistan, nor should we have uh, gone into Syria. We should have sent the politicians and the president in there themselves if they're going to make war. See, that's the way it used to be. But we don't do that anymore. If they make war, they send your kids and that's why when these kids come back, you need to treat them with respect. I was in the service in Vietnam. I saw what these morons, how they treated these combat vets and these people that were wounded that came back from Nam. And that's despicable. So when we talk about a lot of this, there's things America needs to wake up to. And so do you. You need to understand. When we're talking about these things, yes, we're in Isaiah. We're talking about what happens at that time. But i am got, uh, you know, the whole reason that we have these scriptures here, the whole reason, and even Paul says that, is so that we can learn from them. And if we don't learn from what we're studying, why are you paying attention? Maybe you're not. They're here for a reason. Number one, none of this would have happened if they, if the officials and even, you see, you have the prophets, you have the priests, and you have the politicians, all three leaders. All of them went into captivity. Some of them got killed. It really happened bad when they got over into Jeremiah's time. This is Isaiah's time. Remember that. But he's prophesying ahead of time. Remember, this is a vision. So with that, 
we are going to uh, I'm going to keep it at uh, verse 3, and uh, that's where we'll start again, because I like to pick up to kind of remind you where we were, and uh, then we'll get into the rest of this, because the rest of this, uh, verse 5, we're talking about a day of trouble. Uh, we talk more of the battle um, we talk about Judah in here. Um, we talk about some of the things that happened during the time of Sennacherib coming in. This is what Isaiah is, is talking about in here. So uh, a lot of interesting things when we talk about it, things we need to pay attention to, things we need to uh, think about. But that's why it's important for a nation not to be too proud. But we're proud in a lot of ways. Father, we thank you for your word. Bless your people. Help them to understand this word and apply it. And in Jesus' name, I bind you, Satan, and the powers of darkness from the preaching, teaching, streaming, and receiving of this word. In Jesus' name. Okay, Tower. And we are a couple of minutes away. Okay, here I am. Here you are. Sure would be nice if we could, yeah, sure would be nice if we could learn from history. And we wouldn't have to repeat things. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be nice? It would be. I just don't even look forward to what's coming. I don't know who does. Well, nobody would. <laughs> That's why you change your behavior so you don't have to go through it. Exactly. And that's why also, I might add, a lot of the church has come up with a pre-trib rapture, uh, convincing a lot of people that they're never going to have to go through this. So God yeah, help all those convenient. that taught that. Yeah, it's a convenient teaching. Now, the yeah. Lord is coming for us, but to say you're not going to see any kind of trouble or tribulation like this, and you're going to be raptured out, <laughs> that's not scriptural in any way, shape, or form. But see... Um, a lot of people you can't tell, you can't talk to them, you can't do anything. So, at any rate, we're going to have to get out of here. Okay, thank you everybody for joining us. Whenever you do, we're glad you're able to be here, and we love you, and we pray for you, and we thank you for praying for us and praying for our brethren. And um, please be sure to join us tomorrow for Sound the Shofar. Good night, everybody. God bless you. Well, remember to go by our websites, warn-usa.com, danaglennsmith.com. And uh, our social sites, you can find us there. Uh, remember, you can always join us over on uh, MeWe, and you can find us over on USA.life. Those are two new ones that we have, uh, a different kind of uh, social media. So until next time, good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warren Radio.